Dressed head to toe in black, his right fist thrust firmly in the air, Steph Curry took a knee alongside several hundred protesters Wednesday in Oakland. I was there to cover the event that sent a powerful message across the NBA and the Oakland community. This is Locked On Warriors. Along with four other warriors, Curry joined a 3.4-mile march around Oakland's Lake Merritt to protest the death of George Floyd last week at the hands of Minneapolis police. The march was organized by Curry's teammate, Juan Descano Anderson, a Castro Valley native of African-American and Mexican descent. In addition to Curry and Toscano Anderson, Clay Thompson, Damian Lee, and Kevon Looney marched alongside protesters wearing black, carrying signs and chanting, No racist police, no justice, no peace. After four days of protests in Oakland, some violent, Toscano Anderson made an announcement via Twitter late Tuesday night. Join us tomorrow, peacefully, he wrote above a flyer that provided details of the event. The march began with eight minutes of silence, protesters laying chest down on the lawn at the Lake Merritt Amphitheater, representing the amount of time Floyd lay on the street while police officer Derek Chauvin knelt on his neck, killing him. The silence was interrupted by Floyd's last words, cries of, I can't breathe, and mama, and my neck echoed across the lake. Curry, Lee, and Toscano Anderson then began marching with protesters, first in front of the Alameda County Courthouse and onto Lake Merritt Boulevard. Midway through the march, Thompson and Looney joined Curry and Lee as Toscano Anderson led. Eventually, the march rounded onto Lakeside Drive. In happier times, this is where the Warriors' championship parades have ended. Here's Juan Toscano Anderson. I got people in the locker room who not only stand up for what I stand up for, but are going to you know, stand up with me, you know, along, alongside of me. And I, that's a different feeling, man. I run through a wall for those guys now. As protests unfolded across the country in the days since Floyd's death, Toscano Anderson and a group of childhood friends felt they needed to do something for their community. After exchanging texts and phone calls, the group made the decision to arrange a peaceful protest around 8.30 p.m. Tuesday night. By 10.15, they posted their plans to social media. They had no idea how many people would turn out on such short notice. The time's now. We talked about this last night at 8.30. We didn't put the the flyer out until like 10, 10, yeah. 10, 15, you know. And so we were kind of hesitant because we didn't know if it was going to gain as much traction. You know, people are putting their phones down at 9, 30, 10 o'clock. And 8 a.m. is too early to plan your day. You know, you might have to go to work. You might have to have kids. Kids, kids aren't in school. So we were afraid that it wasn't going to gain too much traction. So, but it did. As protesters filed into the amphitheater, Curry and his wife, Aisha, quietly made an entrance and took a seat. They were not approached for autographs. They were not approached for selfies. This wasn't a day for anything like that. People people know what they mean to the Warriors community, but people, some, unless you're from Oakland, you don't really understand what Steph means to the Oakland community. While helping organize the protest, Toscano Anderson was nervous about the blowback he might receive. After all, he only made his NBA debut this past season after toiling in Mexico's professional league and the G League and figures to be deep on Golden State's bench next season if he makes the roster at all. I'm new in this league. I'm not trying to get put anything against me. I'm not trying to put the odds against me. I'm not trying to ruffle no feathers. But at the same time, I'm always stand up for what I feel is right. I'm never going to let a, a job dictate, you know, how I, you know, get up and my take on life. Like, my mom taught me better than that, you know what I'm saying? But at the same time, I am respectful of my job and, you know, the boundaries, you know. So I was hesitant. I was a little nervous, but... 
you know, just getting some feedback from different people, seeing those guys out there. I'm like, if I know I got those guys, if I got Steph Curry out here with me, I'm like, nobody tripping. You know what I'm saying? So that's just how I feel. Like, I'm so much more confident in this cause and this, this walk and this purpose now. Confidently, Toscano Anderson helped lead the march, breaking in intersections to talk to the group of protesters with his megaphone. At one corner, Curry, wearing a black face mask and dark sunglasses under a black bucket hat, chanted, Don't shoot! and put both hands in the air before kneeling for another moment of silence. As the country deals with the fallout of Floyd's death, the sports world has grappled with how to make a statement while preserving its own business interests. The NBA has finalized plans to resume its season in late July. Last week, the Warriors issued a statement saying... We condemn in no uncertain terms racism and violence perpetrated against members of the black community, and we call on people to channel their justifiable anger into creating a more just and equitable society. But prepared statements can only do so much. The NBA's players, a majority of whom are black, are in a unique situation to help bring awareness to these issues. It's not a million people, it's not 100,000 people, it's not 10,000 people, but it's a crowd, Toscano Anderson told me. It's just a step in the right direction. When it comes to Oakland, I want the people to remember me for doing this or something like it, as opposed to, oh, he just played for the Warriors, like he came and gone, and he was an athlete. Like, that's cool and all, but this is better. We'll be back with more Locked On Warriors. In these uncertain times, when we can't get to the store or go out to our favorite restaurant, we often end up searching the deepest depths of the kitchen for a snack. Stop eating those who-knows-how-old crackers. Put down the chips. Instead, reach for something healthy and delicious. They're called Built Bars. This is the best-tasting protein bar I've ever had, and trust me, I've tried a lot of them. A protein bar covered in 100% real chocolate. Built Bar tastes like a candy bar while delivering fewer sugars and carbs, making it better tasting and better for you than any of the competitors. With 16 amazing flavors like peanut butter chocolate, mint brownie, and my personal favorite, orange chocolate cream, Built Bar is like a cheat code for health-conscious men and women. These bars are low-calorie and low-sugar, while also being high in protein and fiber, making them perfect for any ketogenic or other low-carb diet. So go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off of your first order. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON, one word, for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. I'm here now with Connor Letourneau, Warriors beat writer from the San Francisco Chronicle, who was with me covering and also marching in the protest in Oakland on Wednesday. Connor, thanks for jumping on the show. And uh, what was your takeaway from Wednesday's events? It was a really beautiful event, honestly. Um, I didn't fully know what to expect when we went, um, but I thought it was really well done, especially given how short of notice it was. You know, they started putting it together late Tuesday night. And then here you are at noon on Wednesday, and they had 
a real plan in place. You know, they uh, I thought the the laying down for eight minutes and, and hearing the cries that George Floyd had in Minneapolis when the police officer was kneeling on his neck were extremely powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I was really impressed with Juan Descano Anderson. You know, he's he's a guy who we're just getting to know. He, he hasn't been on the Warriors that long, but uh, he, he seemed to feel really comfortable in it speaking to the group and he seemed to be in his element and you know it's not easy to help lead a, a massive event like that and uh he really rose to the occasion and it was really cool to see how many warriors showed up um especially under such short notice you know and guys like steph and clay who you know are global icons who you know honestly it might not be the safest thing in the world to just go to a public protest uh, with minimal security um, on the uh, on a last minute thing like that, but it showed how how much they care. And you know, I actually thought it was cool that they didn't necessarily feel the need to grab the microphone. You know, they were just there in solidarity with with everyone else. And um, you know, Clay drove all the way up from Orange County that day to be there, uh, so it was it was cool. Yeah, I. I... I thought it was um, really impressive how they just were part of the march. They were part of the crowd. You and I were walking alongside a lot of what was going on. And, you know, at first it was Steph and Damian Lee, uh, like just sort of in the mix with Juan Toscano Anderson sort of near the front leading the leading the march. And then all of a sudden you see guys like Kevon Looney and Clay and Clay's brother popping up and a couple of assistant coaches were there. And then you just start seeing these guys pop up, but they were just, they were part of it. Right. And that, that to me was like my overwhelming takeaway was this was not a Warriors event. It happened to be organized or helped organized at least by uh, one of the Warriors, but a guy who's deep on the bench may not even be on the team next year. Uh, well, honestly, yeah, and and you've got a guy like like Steph, like you and his wife Aisha were there without really any like. It was brave for them. You know, I, I, I hesitate to throw that word around, but like you said before, like they are huge celebrities. There is nobody bigger as far as a celebrity in, in the Bay Area than Steph Curry. And considering what had happened in Oakland over the weekend with some of the, the violent protests that were happening and, and you know, the, the, what you see on the news as far as tear gas and rubber bullets, you never know how these peaceful protests are going to, like, well intentions and all, you don't really know how sometimes they're going to turn out. There is definitely risk involved. And... Um, they were all comfortable enough to get out there and do that. And like you said before, really, really well organized. You got to tip your hat to, to Juan Toscano Anderson and the people who, who helped him. It was him and about 10 other friends who put this thing together. Uh, and it, it, it meant a lot for him being a Castro Valley native, uh, a guy who grew Actually, up in the East, East Bay. Native. East um, Oakland native. Yeah, yeah went to Castro Valley yeah, High School. Went to high school in Castro Valley, but he's actually yeah. from East Oakland. And the group that he organized it with, they were all from the East Oakland area. So I thought I really enjoyed covering the event from a personal standpoint because I selfishly was debating whether or not I wanted to even go to any of these things, right? I just the safety concerns that I just talked about, um, wondering if I had a place there. Do I go alone? Do I go with a friend? Um, you had texted me uh, Wednesday morning asking if I was going to go. Um, we coordinated. I met up at your place. We and we shuttled there together. And uh, I thought that was really helpful to go with somebody. But, you know, it was – I don't know about you, and we never we didn't really talk about this, but we – there was two ways for us to do this, right, as far as being journalists and covering the event. We could have walked 
near the march from the outside and just taking notes the entire time. We could have just stand that off to the side during um, uh, the eight minute lay down and all these things. But you right. and I participated in those things. We we lay down on our chests for eight minutes and uh, we heard the cries. There was a woman uh, to our right who just started crying, literally crying tears uh, because it was so moving. And that was really moving and emotional for me. And there were parts where you know you and I knelt on one knee and put the fist in the air and all these things. And I felt proud to do that because it's hard for us the lot to sometimes just remain completely, I don't know, objective or out of, out of the fray. This was blurred. This was maybe the most blurred experience I've ever had as a journalist as far as being a participant and also covering an event. The way I look at it is at the end of the day, we're human beings and you got to make judgment calls in situations like that. And, um, you know, to me, it would have been borderline insensitive just to go and just stand there and observe, solely observe when um, this, the country is in the state that it's in. And, and you and I obviously believe in what they were protesting. So, um, you know, I, I didn't think that we crossed any lines by laying down and, and participating in it. And, you know, it didn't keep us from doing our jobs. We, we took notes throughout the march. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we weren't, we weren't chanting the entire time because we were observing. Um, and so... Um, you know, I, I think it's a judgment call in, in those situations, but I don't think we did anything wrong. And um, I'm, I felt I'm how we handled it. Same. And I felt like I, and I really didn't think about it too much when we were doing it. I don't know about you, but I just sort of uh, I, I it crossed my mind. And then I immediately was like, no, I'm going to participate in this way. Not only because it would be weird if like two uh, let, let's be honest here, we're two white guys. It would be it would be very insensitive to just sort of stand there. Uh, it would send a bad message. People who don't know that we're journalists. Right. Um, right. And but moreover than that, I, I wanted to participate. I, I wanted to because, like you said, I believe in this cause and we are human beings at the end of the day. And I actually think that it helped the reporting part of it to be in the mix. I thought the reporting was better. I thought to actually feel it and go through it. Like. I just think that that was being a better journalist almost than just sort of standing off to the side and taking sort of these sterile notes. We'll get right back to my conversation with Connor, but first, with the ever-increasing number of vehicle makes and models, it can be impossible to stock all of the parts that you need at a traditional store. Why endure often pointless and seemingly intimidating questions while waiting for an employee you've never met to order the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry? Hey, it's 2020. You have a computer, too with access to rockauto.com. rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all of the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. You know what you want. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low without the markup that you find at these chain stores. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all of the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in there, how did you hear about us box, so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com right right and you know um the truth is you know we were closely 
following Steph and Damian Lee and Clay and all those guys. And they saw how we were handling ourselves. And I do think that, you know, part of our job is to build a rapport with these people and they're, they, they're, they might, uh, you know, understandably judge us if, if we're just standing there, you know, uh, with, you know, khaki pants and, uh, you know, whatever, <laughs> Uh, and and our notebook and and clearly not feeling anything, Um, you know, and you wouldn't be human to not feel anything uh, yesterday. There was, it was just a very powerful day. Um, You know, I got borderline emotional when we were laying on the ground. Mm -hmm. I don't think you, I think any person who feels anything would, would get emotional. It's just, uh, it's just a really, power uh intense time in america and you you see how viscerally these these people feel this and uh makes you really understand why this is such an issue i mean i know you and i both came from backgrounds we came from kind of upper middle class backgrounds and predominantly white neighborhoods and uh you know for me i'm realizing now as I look back on my childhood and things like that, that, um, you know, I was always taught in grade school and those things that racism happened in the 1960s. And, you know, I, we learned all about Martin Luther King and we learned about the civil rights movement and we learned about the, I have a dream speech, but it was always in the context of that's a thing that happened in the past. And it was really in your face. And, you know, there was segregation and, uh, you know, it was, it was a lot of personal prejudice and I think that you can't help but as you get older, have that association in your mind. And then, but as you become an adult, you start to think for yourself more and you realize it is much more than a personal prejudice that, and it is very much alive and well today. Um, yeah, and uh, I, I think we have a duty, especially as people who came from that worldview, to, uh, to support, you know the end of systematic racism in america because whether we want to admit it in a lot of ways people like ourselves are the problem we you know not necessarily people who are actively quote-unquote racist but people who experience white privilege and are ignorant to it because white privilege can go hand in hand with racism far too often and to empathize it's part of our duty to empathize as well and i thought that was part of it I, i told you when we were done hey, if this wasn't my job, if I wasn't a journalist, I'm glad I went to this just to experience it. And uh, I don't mean to make it about me, but it is sort of, you know, you look over at a guy like Steph Curry, who has everything that he could possibly want, right? Um, And the way that he knelt there with with his wife and just had that fist in the air and was, I thought he, he was very involved in the protest, but also like him and Aisha looked moved. And uh, I, I thought that was true for all the Warriors and the way that Juan Toscano Anderson was talking about it. I mean, he's an NBA player. He's made not as much money as Steph, obviously, but he's made enough where he's going to be okay. And it doesn't matter. That stuff doesn't matter. Um, we've seen years ago uh, people spray painting the front of LeBron James's uh, estate, right, with, with racial right. slurs. I mean, this is something that impacts people in the NBA. And so, and you know, and everybody in the community. And... Uh, um, I, I, one, I guess I'm just glad that I, thought, that I was there to experience it. One thing that I thought was really cool yesterday was 
no, you know, you didn't see any of the Warriors sign any autographs. You didn't see anyone mm-hmm. ask them for autographs. You didn't see anyone go up to them and, and try to pose for selfies with them, which I've never been out in public with Steph or Clay and not seen that before. Um, and But everyone was just understanding and respectful of why they were there uh, because they were all there for the same reason. And there was just a, an understanding and a solidarity there that I thought was really powerful. Yeah. Uh, th- that was one of the things that stood out to me too. There was, it was just, there, there are no bigger celebrities in Oakland than Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. And yet I didn't see anybody ask them for a selfie or, or an autograph. And it was just, like you said, an understanding that, their celebrity, this maybe a desire for a lot of like you and I see these guys all the time. For a lot of people who grow up who idolize these people, it might be the first time and maybe the last time they ever see them in public, um, because they were not expected to be there and they were they were surprise guests. Uh, the yeah. only person we knew that was going to be there was Juan Toscano Anderson, and we had no idea if those people were going to show up. And so for people to not approach them, it just it shows how much this moment transcends that celebrity and that desire. It shows just how important all of this is um connor thanks for jumping on the show with me appreciate it uh we'll talk to you soon appreciate it remember to subscribe to new episodes of locked on warriors on apple Podcasts, spotify and google Podcasts, where you can rate us review us say nice things about us use the promo code locked on to get ten dollars off of your first box of built bars at builtbar.com thanks for listening and stay safe